Another wonderful adventure, a wonderful adventure of sports known as Old Fart Sports. I'm the Old Fart, joined by two young ones. I've got P. Huff to my right. Hey, I've got Roar Dog to my left. Gentlemen, what's up, guys? How, how are we doing? doing? I'm doing great. Good. We're going to be going back to our phone lines shortly, and we're going to be talking to Ryan Buchanan, who's got a checkered past. Well, it's not like he's been in prison. I mean, Jeez, <laughs> why would you past. say that, yeah. man? Well, it's been checkered because he's been all over the board. There you go. Hey, see? Huh? Huh? Ryan Buchanan, what are you doing, my man? How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, just, you know, been watching a little college basketball today. I uh, don't know how much longer we're going to be able to do that. Golly. I'm <laughs> but, um yeah, yeah, I've been enjoying the early season. Well, let's uh, let's talk first before we move too much into the round ball. We'll talk about another one that's got some seams on it, and uh, we'll uh, reflect upon your fondness for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, you know, before we do that, let's talk something that I pointed out. You're not named after Ryan Dern, are you? Not Ryan Durham, but I'm named after. Ryan Sandberg, who was actually named after Ryan Durham. There you go. See, so <laughs> and I was sharing a story with the gents here about Ryan Dern and what he used to do. In the fact, when he'd come on and warm up, is he'd throw the ball about halfway up the backstop to uh, kind of make the opposition a little bit leery of his control issues, which he never had any. And wasn't he also the guy that had Coke bottles for glasses? That's right. Yep, I was thinking that was the deal. Yeah, his his uh, Coke bottle glasses were just immense. I mean, he was they were so thick you couldn't uh, couldn't drive looking through them and probably couldn't even see the headlights. But anyway, um, let's go ahead and move back into the more popular round ball that you're used to uh, watching and talking about, and that's the basketball situation. So, what did you see in the college front before we move to the Blazers? Which, of course, Ryan. For Ryan, so for those that aren't aware, is uh, a member of the Blazers Edge broadcasting formulation. So you do a fantastic job on your podcast. I know we've all had a chance to listen to it, and you just uh, are, are a plethora of information that you provide out there. But let's talk a little bit about the hoops. Yeah, I mean, in, in the only going, I think, for on the college side, I've you've really seen that these, uh, you know, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the teams that have the – the star freshmen, they're really struggling. And it's yeah, been the are. experienced teams that have been really good out of the gate. So that's been pretty interesting uh, for me to watch. And then on the NBA side, you know, with the with the preseason coming up, um, I know folks around town are pretty excited about the Blazers. I thought they had a really good offseason. Um, bringing in the biggest move, obviously, being uh, bringing in Robert Covington for a pair of first-round picks. I thought that was a solid deal. I thought that Neil Shea picked up some other good pieces to fill around the core. And uh, I think it's going to be a good year for Portland. Neil has been kind of uh, picked upon for his uh, his look, which is that of uh, he's been kind of known to be a, a pretty boy, if you will. So, But he's really done some pretty things for the Blazer roster and doing it well underneath the radar. He's not having issues like uh, trying to figure out what to do with, uh, with Mr. Harden or those other kind of things. He's done real well. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, he's had some notable mistakes a few summers ago, overpaid for, for some players, notably Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, that have kind of haunted the franchise for the past years. But he's also done a really good job uh, for the most part in the draft as well. You know, obviously getting in uh, Damian Lillard. Um, and I think he's done a pretty good job in free agency. You look at some of the trades he's made with Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done as well. Ryan, I'm going to turn it over to the guys, but before I do that, I just want to uh, throw a couple of nonsensical rumors that were uh, thrown out this week that, you know, when I presented them to the guys, they both wanted to kick me out of the room and thought I was the one that created these. But one was Dame Lillard going off to uh, Miami, and the other one was James Harden going off to Chicago. I can understand the situation with Harden because you've got uh, a guy that wants a lot of money and You've got to find the right suitor for him, but uh, he has his own mind made up where he'd like to go. But talk to us what it would mean inside the Blazer organization if they were ever to move Dame Lillard. I think it'd be devastating. Uh, I think, you know, he's just such a – he is the Blazers right now. Um, And 
maybe you know honestly maybe more than any other players is any other player in history even Clyde Drexler is kind of synonymous with Blazer basketball I think the way he connects with the community on and off the court um, honestly I don't see him going anywhere I think he's in it for the long haul I think if he's going to win a championship he wants to do it in Portland I don't think he's one of those guys who's going to take the easy way out go to a super team later in his career I think he wants to do it here finish what he started and I think that's part of what endears him uh, to Blazer fans so much so yeah I don't I don't see Lillard going anywhere Harden yeah that's a <laughs> that's an interesting situation Houston's got a mess on their hands because They've got a player who's made it very public. He does not want to be there. That obviously doesn't help his trade value, mm-hmm. um, knowing that he doesn't want to be there. He's due to make it a gajillion dollars over the next few years. So it's going to be interesting if any team bites. I'm sure somebody will, but I mean, it, I don't know what they'd – Houston, I don't think they could possibly get back equal value at this point for Harden, given the situation yeah. and given that he's essentially kind of held him hostage here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see a guy like that who's uh, been rumored to possibly be going uh, and playing with Kyrie and and uh, Kevin Durant and that sort of thing with the new coach in uh, in Brooklyn. But um, I don't know. It's uh, really often not often that you see a guy of that kind of ilk moved when you've uh, expressed like he has that it's all about the money. It's not as much where he lands, but he was, he's all in it for the money. Yeah, and he's got the reputation as kind of a me-first guy. Uh, obviously, he's not had success at the playoff level, so teams are going to be real weary. You know, teams that are right there, they're gonna, is he going to be the guy that puts you over the top? You know, who's to say? But I, I think teams are definitely weary about acquiring him at this point in his career, uh, given all the baggage that goes along with it. What are you hearing as far as the uh, turnaround time of the start of the league after the bubble and all of that? And uh, does it appear like there's teams that are, are taking that in consideration as concern, or are they more like, ah, eh, whatever the hell happens, happens? I think certainly the likes of the, the Lakers especially, I think they've been the most vocal. Um, the teams that played deeper into the bubble, and the, even were in the bubble to begin with, we're, we're much more hesitant about coming back so quick. You know, you look at a team like the Knicks, say, that didn't even make the bubble. They haven't played since March. So, obviously, they're raring to go uh, whenever. But I think, yeah, those teams that played, you know, that were still playing come October, that's a very quick turnaround for them. Um, now, they did have quite a bit of time off in between the bubble. Um, so, you have to take that into account. But, yeah, certainly I think the uh, the, the really good teams that played deeper – you know, Portland's kind of on, on the mix. I, I, I get the feeling Portland's confident at the bit to come back. Uh, kind of unfinished business. They did not have a good postseason. Um, so I think they're one of the teams, certainly, that, that wants to come back as soon as possible. But, you know, those, your Boston, your, your L.A., your Miami, uh, I don't think they're uh, thrilled to be coming back so quickly. But it, you could see it coming. I mean, the NBA wasn't going to give up. Christmas Day. That's such a big game for them TV-wise that mm-hmm. I, I was shocked when it was initially coming out that they were basically saying yeah, that wasn't going to be a possibility. And so I was not surprised at all when they when they walked back, that back rather quickly. That's that's just such a big day for them. I figured they'd do whatever they could to get some monkey matchups. And yeah, Ryan, this is uh, Parker talking with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I wanted to get your take on where you think it is that the Blazers now sit in the Western Conference power rankings. You know, I think, uh, as, as you alluded to as well, that we had a really good off offseason. Um, you know, but I've heard some people say that we're as high as uh, being number two behind the Lakers. But I've also heard people saying that, you know, we're still sitting in the five to eight range in the Western Conference. So I wanted to get your take on where you think we're sitting at now. Well, I definitely think they're a playoff team. You know, it's it's tough to tell. I want to see how the new pieces fit in. Mm-hmm. But I, I certainly think that this team's capable of being, you know, up to maybe a three seed. I don't know about the two seed. There's, uh, you know, when you've got the Clippers still in there, you've got to imagine they're going to turn things around. You've still got the Nuggets uh, yeah. with another year under their belt. So I don't know if they can make it that high up. But I think, you know, the three seed is within the realm of possibility. I think realistically you're looking at probably a four or five seed, which in a very – very difficult Western Conference. There's going to be a couple of good teams that don't make it this year. Uh, I think it is good. I think it's solid. Give yourself a chance. Now, unfortunately, if you get in that four or five range, you're probably facing the Lakers in the first round again. Right. So, um, you know, you'd almost be better off, you'd think, 
uh, getting in the sixth seed at that point. But, um, I, you know, I think they're right there. I think they're among the best teams in the league. I don't think they're right there. I, don't, I think they're more of a Tier 2 team right now than a Tier 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, you know, it, there, there's a lot of time between, between now and the playoffs start, and I want to see how guys like Covington um, <laughs> mesh in with this team. I think, you know, they've got an opportunity to have a really big year. Hey Ryan, it's uh, it's Rory with the old fart sports here, and uh, yeah, you mentioned that that series with with the Lakers last uh, last postseason. Um, I think if they were to play that series again with the lineup they the Blazers have, it, it, it might have gone a little bit differently. Talk about uh, the additions and you know a guy like C.J. Elby that they drafted, Rodney Hood. You get back, you get Mello. Um, you know, they're, they're looking like a really healthy team going into 2020-2021. Yeah, I, I think there's no question it would be. If they play that series today, that would be much different. You know, I think the biggest thing is just the depth. Um, you know, Ellaby, I, I doubt he's going to make much of an impact this year. This team's just too deep. Um, you know, he's more of a flyer guy, second round, that you hope to develop in, in years to come. Maybe he can make an impact. But I think, you know, you look back in that Lakers uh, series. It was basically Gary Trent off the bench and not a whole lot right. else. Now he he's got well. Ennis Cantor. Yeah, it, it, yes, and he played well, but now he's he's got some help back there. He's got you know Ennis Cantor who'll be coming off the bench. You could have looks like Rodney Hood coming off the bench. That's huge. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's more than capable of starting. Uh, he's going to be kind of serving as your sixth man. Um, they're obviously hoping for big things from. Anthony Simons, he had a, a really rough second season, but they've got a lot of confidence in him, and they, you know, kind of penciled him in as that backup point guard. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, the biggest difference is just the depth. They've just got uh, – it takes a whole lot more pressure off of your big three, your Stame, your CJ, your Nurky. You've got other guys that can defend and score, and you've got a lot of both that in your additions that you've made. Ryan, I had a question about Coach Stotts. Uh, you bring in so many different players over the last couple of years, a lot of them – here for only one year, maybe a couple of years. How much of a stabilizing force has he been? Because he's not one of the premier coaches thought of when you talk about NBA uh, teams and organizations. No, it's funny. He's really not. Uh, I mean, really outside of Portland, I think he's probably an after that. You never hear him discuss him on the top names. But, I mean, at this point, he's one of the longest tenured mm-hmm. uh, coaches in the league, if you can believe it. I mean, he's been here since 2012. Um, so, yeah, I think he does a really good job. Uh, integrating new guys in the lineup, I think his uh, certainly his uh, relationship with Damian Lillard um, has made it. You know that that's been huge. Those two guys have been on the same page. They both came in the same year, um, so that that's been crucial. I think. And yeah, I think that this team has had great chemistry under Stotts, and I think Lillard's a huge part of that. And I think he's. A, he, I think he is definitely overlooked, uh, even in Portland. I, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think there's a tendency to kind of take for granted what he's done but i think he's done a really good job and he's, there's been a lot of times where you know he's asked to to win a lot of games with not a whole lot of talent that's not necessarily on him mm-hmm. um and there's been times that he's you know teams that he's had have, have exceeded expectations so i think that portland's pretty lucky to have terry stotts i think he's one of the best coaches in the week no doubt and yeah I, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit as he deserves i got a two-parter for you ryan uh, speaking of Dame, is Dame the best point guard in the NBA? And uh, to go along with that, are we going to see him further expand his range this year and <laughs> pulling up with his feet on or behind the half court line? <laughs> well, he's kind of seemed to indicate that in the early going. I don't. I'm not sure he has to expand too much further than where he's at. But apparently, that's something that I mean, certainly in his repertoire, yeah. uh, he's he's certainly a top five point guard. I'm sure Steph Curry would like a word. Uh, with that, um, you know, coming back this season, curious to see how he and the Warriors look, for example. But certainly he's right there. I mean, he's a guy who, if the Blazers were a, had a better record this year, he would have been right in that MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. I think he's a top five guy in the entire NBA. My wow. colleague Rory here is a huge Clay Thompson fan. So I'm going to throw you a anti-Clay Thompson question. And that is the do the Blazers have the best one two backcourt in the NBA that currently starts with Thompson now being out? Yeah, they're certainly right there. Yeah, I think um you know, it's interesting, you know, I think Boston with uh depending on how you classify Jason Tatum, I think with him and, and Kemba Walker, although Kemba mm-hmm. Walker's hurt, you know, they're right there. 
Um, but yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, for, for a while it was people thought maybe Houston, but that obviously didn't work out with Westbrook and Harden. So yeah, I, I think that Damon Seager is still right there among the, the best backcourt tandems in the NBA. We just need to make sure that uh, CJ um, sees the Browns off to a uh, fantastic season. Couldn't get a show in without saying something about the Browns. But more importantly, we don't want to let him get too used to being out in Dundee, Oregon, checking out different wineries. <laughs> hey, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, get him back in the uh, Portland metro area. Yeah, let's uh, rein him in a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, but interesting about the Browns, Kevin. You know, they they're, they're having a good year. Uh, yeah. they got a, they got a challenge on Monday night. Yeah, well, some people think they do. Some people, uh, well, myself included, think they might sweep the rest of the season and uh, shock the world. All right. Well, I'm rooting. I think a lot of people are pulling for them. You know, it's been a a long time since they've been been good, and it's it's fun to watch them succeeding this year. I was kind of uh, remiss with the fact that Greg Williams got let go uh, after his brutal uh, efforts this week because he could have been the only defensive coordinator ever to be a coach in the NFL to be 0-16 as the defensive coordinator and retained his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was, you know, I'm surprised he made it this long, to be honest with you. <laughs> I am too. I know somebody who calls him Triple G, and I think they need to call him something worse than that. So, anyway. <laughs> Ryan, we do appreciate you taking your time out of uh, out of your busy day to spend with us. We appreciate you spending some time talking about the round ball. And uh, would it be all right to check back in with you as the uh, college season comes down to an end and the uh, NBA season starts to uh, wind into a playoff scenario? No, certainly. Sounds good. We'll keep doing the uh, fair trade uh, work agreement, and we'll listen to your podcast, and uh, <laughs> uh, we'll kind of give you the uh, the thumbs up as always. So, Ryan, we appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. You Thanks, betcha. Ryan. Thank you, Thanks, Ryan. Ryan. You Cannon of Blazers Edge. Hi folks, it's Podland's number one producer, Liam Flanagan, and I just want to let you know about sponsors. If you're a business owner or manager and you are looking for a great way to get your product out there, becoming a podcast sponsor is just that. Podcasts are listened to all over the world. Podland has had visits from places like Kenya, Ireland, Australia, Vietnam, and almost all 50 states. What's up, Alaska? Don't you like podcasts? Anyway, Becoming a podcast sponsor could be the way to give your business the boost it may need. To become a Podland podcast sponsor, contact me, Liam Flanagan, at liam at podland.productions. That's L-I-A-M at podland.productions. Have a great day. Uh, gentlemen, let's uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. Let's go. Where, where rumble. do you guys want to go? What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about highlight or you want to talk about... Jiu-jitsu, or what is it you want to highlight. talk about? Man, I haven't heard highlights so, brought geez, up in a long yeah. time. Yeah. you got to do it when you got to do it. <laughs> so, uh, did you see, I don't know if you saw the boxing match between Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. No. Last week? No. no. Oh. Well, it was pretty entertaining. You yeah. know, see two guys uh, of that age going at it 100%. Tyson, I'll tell you what, looked pretty good, but... Pay-per-view event made eighty million dollars. That's ridiculous. Tyson, Tyson took away ten. Ten. Yeah. That's even more ridiculous. Yeah. Ten big, 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 big ones. But uh, within that fight, in, in in the same card, we had a YouTuber, Jake Paul, who was his second boxing fight, and he was fighting against Nate Robinson, yeah. former NBA player. I, you may have seen that Nate, one. Nate should probably have stuck around basketball a little bit, just a little bit longer. Yeah, it was. I felt bad for him, really, because you know, within the NBA community, he's a respected guy. Sure. He's a good player. What did he win the dunk contest three times, two times yeah, at, at least. least, two times? Um, but gosh, he just got dropped so bad. And now the talks are Floyd Mayweather is going to be fighting Jake Paul. What do you think about that? That's shocking. 
Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're in a cell. That's shocking. Yeah, exactly. I think about that fight, that second fight. Uh, I just don't. I don't think Nate should have been in the in the ring at all. I just no. No, uh, you're putting two guys with two different weight classes in the same same ring, and they're both inexperienced. I don't know. You had like a six inch reach advantage. Yeah, or it's something. just you know, it's just not it's not fair. It's not a fair fight. I have to go back in my way back machine because I remember when big fights meant like Joe Frazier, smoking Joe Frazier against Muhammad Ali. Yeah. You know, when you had George Foreman coming onto the scene and, you know, fighters like that instead of all these shenanigans. Okay, we'll be more blunt. Shit and shenanigans. There you go. That people are going to have to take their hard-earned money during a pandemic and give those guys that much money? Yeah. BS. Just total BS. Tyson says he's not done either. Well, he's, you know, what, 52 now? Is he 50, yeah, 53, I don't know, somewhere yeah. in there. Didn't look like it. You know, well, you know, he's also <laughs> he looked been fast, beating the heck man. out of his... Uh, his hands you know, are moving. Yeah. Jeez. Well, you know, Mike never uh, never saw somebody he didn't want to punch. <laughs> so I better shut up now because he might be lurking <laughs> yeah. around. So yeah. anyway. Uh, Park, you had a good week last week, man. Did I? I can't. Yeah, you've you've been on a roll, dude. You've been on a Kaiser or a Cinnamon. You've been on a definite roll lately. I did good. I don't I, I don't know if I have. Uh, I I saw him back at the him. office. You were five yeah. and zero again. That's like the third Jesus, out of four man. weeks you've been five and zero. Yeah, no, I've been I've been doing well. The one thing that got me on the parlay last week was mm-hmm. Seattle. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. they played I don't like know what the, happened. It's embarrassing. Yeah, especially to dump it to the Giants at home. At home. To Colt McCoy, a guy who's not even played since 2014. I mean, most people know him for when he got the snot knocked out of him by uh, James Harrison. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's still trying to find the snot that got knocked out of him. But They should have won that game. But another thing to consider is, you know, the crowd noise is not there in Seattle. You know, and that, that plays such a big factor in those games. It's always like the quarterback can't hear anything. You know, they can't hear the defense. And like Parker, you were saying the other day, a lot of these defenses, or maybe it was Kyle, I don't know who, who was saying it, but these defenses can hear yeah. what's going to be called as yeah. well, you know, on offense. And so usually they can't hear any of that. Uh, well, and that that's really, too, why a lot of these offensive uh, point totals have been seen, but not in that game. That's definitely no. not in that game. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know. When you look at the National Football League, I don't mind not seeing fans. It, it, to me, I, it, you know, I'm too focused but, on the game. But in that game, know. it's so important. I it mean, is. the fans in Seattle but are just so important to what what happens. I agree, but I also disagree too. Because well, what is it? Do you agree or disagree? No, I, I agree <laughs> that the fans are important in many instances. But when you're playing a game where you're a heavy favorite, you're just obviously a better team than the team that you're going up against. I don't even care if you're at home. It's like you should just win the game you they know should. They should they have just, won that game. It, 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 i don't think it came down to whether or not uh you know the quarterback could make audibles or the or the defense could hear what russ was saying is just they just played like shit and they lost the game and i think they in that instance I, I don't think the 12th man should be the factor that makes you win or lose the game especially in a game like that you know who may be the most talented athlete at quarterback in the National Football League? <laughs> His name yeah. doesn't start with a B. Yeah, the, I hell hope it, not. the hell it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> did okay. you see Thank what you. he did? Thank you. First, he rolled out the red carpet for uh, – he wasn't even there then. The, uh, uh, Jarvis Landy rolled out the red carpet for Rashad Higgins after Rashad, who today was offered some extra money. Really? Yeah. You know why? Because he earned it. Mm-hmm. So they rolled out the red carpet, and what do you see? You couldn't see it on the game because I was watching the game. Yeah. But what happened is Baker Mayfield came running in, did a slide, <coughs> spun around, and had the camera right there on the red carpet that was for smooth. Rashad Higgins. It was that a was hell a of a slide. Smooth, oh, my God. And then did you just see later when uh, Chubb was running? And, well, as Chubb usually does, he runs particularly in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But he was running, and who's running right next to him? Baker I'm gonna guess Baker. Yeah. yeah, and Baker just kind of gives a shoulder to the yeah. to the linebacker and kind of knocked him off balance a little bit and yeah. just, you know, the guy loves him some football. He does. Mm-hmm. You know, you hate him, you like him, whatever. The guy 
likes football. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. another guy, one of Rory's guys, likes football. You can yeah. tell by the way they play because they always want to do the best for their team. Yeah, and, sure uh, do. Some of them, they just put their hand out on a Friday, every Friday throughout the football season. But, you know, it looks like uh, Mr. Allen and Mr. Mayfield don't, they want to play the game. Yeah, I don't, I, I'll never hate a player because of what they say on or off the field. Or how they act. It's it's the way that they play the game, mm-hmm. and I and I completely love and respect someone who just goes all out, balls to the wall, and gives it everything that they have. And that's that's Jamal exactly Adams. what they, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, a perfect uh, example. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I would play football, that's that's how you play the game. You just, especially on the defensive side of things, you're just a freak. You know, mm-hmm. and that's how you have to be, and that's how you're able to to play at the highest level, is when you just go out of your mind and give it everything that you have. You know what team played balls on the wall last week? And Kevin, you were right. You were right on this one. The Patriots. You called it last week. They stepped up. Yeah. 45-0. Their defense played well. Their quarterback played well. Everybody played well. Special teams played well. It was amazing. And, and they're 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, and if you look at what they do, they, uh, excuse me, no, not they, uh, Bill Belichick figures out a way to alleviate the one factor that is the most important, yep. and that's what he did to uh, Mr. Herbert. We Herbert talked about it last 45 week. 45 to nothing. We talked about it last week and yeah. said that it was going to happen, and it's exactly what happened. Yeah. Exactly. And now you look at that division, they're right back in it. I think they, they were 2-5. and five. Now they're six and six. Six and six. They're yeah. ready to go win another one. They're gonna get. They're probably gonna get in the playoffs now. You yeah. Know? You, yeah. you can't cannot count that man out for sure. You know, those that are not a Bill Belichick fan need to do only one thing, and that's to read the book about him that was written by David Halberstam. I think I've mentioned it two or three times ad nauseum. Maybe I even in, mention it every single podcast we do. <laughs> but it is a an, an enlightening thing. The guy has uh, forever done nothing but eat drink sleep and uh, think about football constantly and uh, you know when you can do that while other people are uh, worried about what they're going to say in the media worried about what they're going to do here worry about what they're going to you know if they're going to be traded cut whatever else bill belichick you know there was a, a youtube thing that i saw the other day of him as well and he just did rapid fire on this new defensive uh, a player that he had that was he was trying to get him to think quickly, just like they would at the goal line. And he just says, well, what's the worst thing that can happen to us defensively on this play? Hmm. And the guy's sitting there, and he, well, he wasn't, he was standing there, and he's like, I don't know, coach, what is it? And he goes, come on, man, I've got you as defensive captain for a reason. The only thing that would happen to them is they'd lose two inches. You know, so here, you know, he's got it all figured out. Of course, you know, he's the one giving the example to the guy, but he wants his players to be able to think. And that's why you've seen two guys, one you see in the media and one you see as a head coach. One is Mike Vrabel and the other is Teddy Bruschi. And both of those guys were leaders of his defense and they were cerebral enough to be able to figure out in a, in a gnat's ass what's going on. And you look at how many times did Mike Vrabel, I think he caught like nine or ten touchdown passes in his career right. as a linebacker. Yeah. And then Teddy Bruschi <laughs> was an undersized nose tackle out of Arizona, University of Arizona, and then goes into the NFL. I mean, the dude even came back after having a freaking stroke and still played football yeah. and another stroke afterwards, but still, you know, just amazing. And just he's still amazing. doing all right. Yeah, and he's still doing yeah, fine. He's, all yeah. right. he's got his sense about him a lot more than I do, and look at him, you know. So, but <laughs> anyway, it's just, uh, you know, as you can tell, I can't get enough football, but. You're going to share some football thoughts here, too. I'm ready to go. Week 14. Week 14. Well, let's roll it out. Let's roll out the carpet and get a camera ready. Okay. Yeah. Camera rolling? Camera's rolling. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. Camera's on. Uh, Week 14 in the NFL. Amazing. We're already here. Week 14. Gosh. (laughs) Now, this is an interesting week. We've got some really good matchups. We've got some not-so-intriguing matchups, as always. I go with what I feel are some of the most intriguing matchups. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
you know, I've I've been doing just incredible with my. You guests. have been, man. You've been on fire. Oh, yeah. You've been on way go. I, mean, I don't even know what my record is, but we don't even. Seventy four and four. But I will say this week, you you might want to take these ones with a grain of salt because we got some damn good matchups, and I really don't know what the hell's gonna happen. So, uh, first game, we got the Ravens at the Browns. Mm. This is Monday Night Football. A great matchup. the The Browns are looking awesome. What are they? Nine and three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nine and mm-hmm. three. Ravens fighting for a playoff spot. Right now we got the spread at minus one and a half for the Ravens. Again, this is at Cleveland. Money line is Baltimore minus 118, Cleveland plus 100, and the over-under at 46 and a half. I sat and I thought about this one for a long time. I went back and forth. I went back and forth. I ended up deciding that I'm going to take Baltimore on the money line. I didn't even feel comfortable enough with a minus one and a half. It could go either way. The reason that I ended up doing it is, well, there's a couple reasons. Mark Andrews coming back, I think that's huge. But more than anything, despite it being a six-day week for the Ravens, is they need to win. If they don't win, they're pretty much done. They're pretty much done in terms of uh, their hopes to make the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Ravens on the money line at minus 118. And um, I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't. But... Can I tell tell you how I feel about sure, it? Sure, yeah, I could guess, but knew, go ahead. You knew I would. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a couple factors. One is the games in Cleveland. Yes, it is. And yes, there's going to be fans in that ballpark. Yeah. There won't be a lot, but there will be fans. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that is uh, much, eh, much ballyhooed or whatever, because well, especially you know, in like, a rivalry game like this. Too. Well, yeah. and you got to remember that Baltimore was Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Baltimore gets a lot of credit for the way they handled Cleveland in the first game, but let's let's yeah. backtrack a little bit. Kimo they won that game. They won the game, Whoa, but Kimo-sabi. it was also the very first game that Kevin Stefanski ever coached uh-huh. in the NFL. Uh-huh. It was also the first time that their left tackle had ever played in any game mm-hmm. in the National Football League at a position he was not used to playing in college. Correct against a team that was just meeting their coach. You know, a little bit. They didn't have any exhibition games. Right. So Short this was season. the very first time that they'd ever. Now, the the other thing is that you look at all three losses, and I've said this before, you've got a loss to Harbaugh, you've got a loss to uh, Tomlin, and you've got a loss to uh, the guy in, in Vegas, yeah, John Gruden. Yep. What are all three of those coaches known for? Winning, Winning Super, Super Bowls. Bowls. So the three people that he lost to, their team lost to Super Bowl winning coaches, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see, all except for the for the uh, uh, the Las Vegas game, they were on the road. Yep. This is going to be different. Yep. Well, Technology. you hope so. No, I don't hope so. I, I know oh. so. I've never. <laughs> oh, you know so. I know so. Oh. I, <laughs> I, I was I not last week? Did I not tell you I did yeah. not feel good about that game? No, and you did. I thought Tennessee did. was going to win. Right. You did. Yeah, you said and that. Yeah. was there anybody more shocked and surprised? Only my friend Butch, who was with me watching the game, he uh-huh. goes, what the hell are we watching here? <laughs> you know, and we didn't have any idea who it was because <laughs> it certainly wasn't what we expected. Crazy start. But, you know, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, if you saw, uh, was it last night that Baltimore played? I guess it was last night. Uh, yeah. Not the same they team did. that they were last year. No, you're not, not at all. No, you're not seeing their quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson. Now, you got to remember, too, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, so I am a fan of Lamar Jackson. I knew about okay. Lamar Jackson when he first came in as a freshman at the University of Louisville yeah. when he replaced their quarterback, and I go, you got to see this guy. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like it's just somebody that became a Baltimore Ravens quarterback. It's a guy that I've been a hot on for a long time. But at the same time, there's a difference between having a few athletes that are good and having a whole team that is doing exactly what their coach wants. Just like Baltimore's players did for Coach Harbaugh last year, you're seeing on the other side this year. Also, one team has Nick Chubb. The, the other team doesn't have Nick Chubb. That's, that's correct. That's a, that's Until a last deal. week, he was averaging 12 point, or excuse me, 14.3 yards a carry in the fourth quarter. Now I think he's down to around uh, just under 11. Yeah. I can't so. remember the stat that I saw last night also, though, with Baltimore. 
you know, their rushing game, it comes in multiple ways with mm-hmm. multiple people. They've had, what was it, 18 more uh, games in a row with 200-plus rushing yards. Yeah. Who's that now? Baltimore? Yeah. Okay, Baltimore also is missing their left tackle who's out. <laughs> It was a first-round pick. Uh, Stanley, I believe, or whatever is the guy from Notre Dame. It was their left tackle. I don't know the name. Yeah. But, yeah, the way the way I see this game playing out, if I were to guess. Watching TV? There's three ways. It's going to be an absolute dogfight back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Or one of the two teams is going to come out similar to how the Browns came out in the first half of last week. And... They're going to surprise the other team, and then in the second half and make it interesting. That's that's how I feel. Now let's also think <coughs> about last year when Cleveland played in Baltimore. What happened? I don't know. Cleveland uh-huh. beat the snot out of the Ravens. <laughs> they uh-huh. literally beat the snot out of the Ravens in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Okay. So yeah. Well, they had stranger o- things have happened. They had OBJ yeah. in that game. Yeah, he's <laughs> caught as many passes then as he's caught the last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, we're going to move on. Please. And uh, we're going to move on to something that I think uh, the Roar Dog uh, might uh, be interested uh, in. Oh, you're going to go to it. Yeah, all we're right. going to it. Game number two in my five games is the Steelers playing at the Buffalo Bills. Sunday night football as opposed to Monday night football. Going to be another great game. Yes, it will. Uh, we got the spread right now with the Bills. Minus two and a half. I actually think it, it started out with Pittsburgh. Um, with with a minus one and a half on the spread. I think maybe that was before the game that they played on uh, Tuesday night. But uh, we got the Bills minus two and a half. Buffalo minus 140. Pittsburgh plus 125 on the money line and the over-under at, my, at uh, 46 and a half. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. On, on the oh spread. On the spread. At plus two and a half. So, uh, you know, they could lose. They could lose by one point. I think and he I'm needs to leave right. those Cuban cigars in the in the van. I think that's what he needs to do. This is what I think. This is what I think. Josh Allen has been playing really good. And yes. I, I contacted Correct. Rory during, during the middle of the last game that they played, and I said, oh, my gosh, this guy has a rocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was probably five or six throws that he – I couldn't believe how freaking hard he threw that ball and got it right to the spot that he wanted to get it to. But I think this week you're going to see a crucial, crucial either turnover or or poor decision by Josh Allen in crunch time when it really matters because this is definitely going to be a close game. And that's why I'm taking Pittsburgh at mm. plus two and a half. The first six possessions that the Bills had the ball last week, they scored. Really impressive. I I think last week was one of the ga- like one of the most stellar games he's had in his career. Going back to that stadium, he did not want to lose. He's playing for something. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I disagree, of, but hey, it'll be a close game for sure. It's gonna be a great yeah. game. He had a like, lot of local interest since he's a Cal- California boy of yeah. people watching that game. So yeah. yes, he does. And, and you and, know, I, I look at Josh Allen what he's doing, and I see a lot of similarities between them and my team and exactly what's going on and uh the one thing that you have to look at is that both teams are buying into what the coaches is selling for sure that's that's the ultimate yeah Mm -hmm. and you look like you look at a guy like stefan diggs right Mm -hmm. that was such a big pickup you're like oh is that gonna be worth it i don't know but you know what just like you said he's bought in and he's still a stud yeah Yeah. you know he's a go-to guy on fourth down and three, mm-hmm. let's throw a slant route to Diggs. Mm-hmm. And they do that consistently, and they've bought in. But And yeah. Cole Beasley's not exactly been a, a sack of seeds either. You no. know, he's, uh, he's full-grown, even though he's a little bitty guy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, both, team, both teams are fun yeah. to watch, like you were about to say, Rory. Great, great game. Uh, Going to be Sunday night football. Game three that I have, and, and I will say again, I said to take these picks with a grain of salt because this is going to be a hell of a week. But game number three, Vikings at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another uh, potentially sneaky good game. The The spread right now is the Bucks minus six and a half. Money line, Tampa Bay minus 303. Minnesota plus 240. And the over-under at 51 and a half points. Mm. 
if this if the spread stays the way that it is, I'm taking the Bucks at minus six and a half. I think it's been kind of shaky up and down season. Um, but I think that the Vikings secondary up against Brady and the weapons that they yeah. that he has at his disposal, uh, they're gonna find a way to get it done, especially in Tampa Bay. Uh, I was talking to you, Kevin, earlier. This is kind of the time of the year where you start getting into the situation of, of teams that are used to playing in colder weather, mm -hmm. going going to uh, you know places where it's warmer weather. And uh, I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be, but I'm taking the Bucks on minus six and a half. You know, and you look at Minnesota, and while they, yes, would have in years past been the, the outside team, the outdoor team, uh, but the one guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens against a, a, a defensive coordinator like Tampa Bay has, and that's Justin Jefferson, the yes. wide receiver, yep. rookie from Minnesota, for Minnesota, from LSU. Year. Just amazing what he's been doing. And it mock. makes the loss of, of Diggs not look as bad mm. for Vikings fans, mm -hmm. even though Buffalo Bills fans like Rory are so excited to have a guy like Diggs. Yeah. But you look at both of those guys, they've really kind of helped each other's uh, organizations. Or if you're from Canada, you would say organizations, don't yeah. you know? I think I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, if you look at the Vikings record, they've only given up uh, 13 points. So the rest of the scores that they've they've given up have been above 20 points or more. And so their defense is not holding up. So like you said, Kev, you know, it's their it's really the Vikings' offense, and if they can play against the Bucks' defense in that game. Mm -hmm. what's on the shoulders of and, Kirk Cousins and exactly and I think that's what it is going to be is is on the shoulder of Kirk Cousins yeah. you know they rely so much on the running game with Dalvin Cook but that Bucks uh running defense is stout they're good try to put the Bill Belichick philosophy in there would you rather stop Kirk Cousins or would you rather stop Dalvin Cook Dalvin. or would you rather stop Jefferson Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook exactly that's yeah. what you you know yes. that should be their focus I would think yeah and I think it I will think be so. Yeah. Now, this last year also uh, was known as a rookie uh, draft season for offensive linemen. And Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle, excuse me, I think he's playing right guard actually, for Tampa Bay. He's been one that's been fantastic in uh, slowly becoming somebody that's uh, in under, well, with Tom Brady, you never know, he might be at his dinner table anyway. Yeah. You know, he's mm -hmm. practicing in a park when he shouldn't have been, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> I, I I love and appreciate your knowledge of linemen because I really don't have any and I probably should. But um, we're going to move on to game four, week 14 in the NFL. We got the Washington football team, the most original name in the NFL, playing at the San Francisco 49ers. I think another great matchup. The spread, and this is again going to be in Arizona for mm -hmm. the 49ers because they can't play at their home <laughs> stadium. Uh, we got the spread at San Francisco minus three money line. San Francisco minus 175. Washington plus 145 in the over under at 43 and a half. I was really thinking about this over under, but I'm gonna go with Washington plus three. I like it. Mm -hmm. P. Huff, did you happen to see Alex Smith this last weekend and when he was playing? Oh, he just overshadowed. Uh, Kurt Schilling I was with just the bloody side. Yes, yes. He, he certainly did. And <laughs> yeah. what's weird is it wasn't the leg that had been messed up. Right. Wow. It was actually the other one. Yeah. And it was from one of his linemen stepping got, on his foot. Yeah, got cleated. But you looked at it. I, I don't know if you guys have – I don't know if this will resonate any image to you, but uh -huh. there's an old photo back in the 50s, even before I was born, of Y.E. Tittle on his knees – his helmet had come off, mm -hmm. and he's ball-headed, but he's got s blood streaming down the side of his face because he'd just been slobber-knockered mm. by somebody on the defensive side. And that image was kind of similar, obviously, north and south on body parts, but right. it, it was really frightening to see. And, and, you know, I saw that whole episode of Alex Smith and his, his wife, his family, how yeah. they took to him, and what he went through yeah. that's the photo right there y.a tittle oh, yeah. so and uh for those of you that uh, can watch or look at home you look at y.a tittle number 14 in a new york giants uniform he's uh on his knees and just uh 
you know, you could tell he'd just been slobber knockered. Slobber knockered. Uh, yeah, yeah, slobber knockered. And there he is. You know, he even looks old in that photo. He looks like he's 50 yeah, some he odd years of age. Yeah. You know, but that's that again is that's what they used to be like. You know, yeah. they'd sit there on the sidelines smoking a ciggy while they're uh, waiting to, <laughs> waiting for their you know chance to get back on on the field. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of brought back reflections of that. But I have nothing but appreciation and respect for Alex Smith. Absolutely. Mm. How know? can he not? For sure. Not only with what he just went through, yeah. but also the kind of crap that he was delivered yes. by yep. Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh, I'm glad you're getting it up your ass because that's where it belongs is right up your ass because <laughs> you suck as a college football coach. You might have been okay as an NFL coach. Yeah. You might have done okay at Stanford. But when you've got some of the smartest players in all of college football, you should be able to get yeah. something out of them. The right? numbers don't lie. No, they certainly don't. So, Well, yeah, you know. and even uh... – you know, if Kansas City, I think, is is a little bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's worked out to where Kansas City looks like they made the right decision. But, uh, yeah, man, that guy's, that guy's taken some stuff throughout his entire career, and he's rolled with the punches. And uh, here he is, you know, putting his team in a potential position to be playing in the playoffs when nobody expected it. So. Andy Reid's lucky he's got Mahomes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He's really lucky that he's got Mahomes. <laughs> And I think anybody would be. I'm yeah. going to have to backtrack a little off the statement I made last week of uh, John Dorsey and Drew Locke because, you know, <laughs> Drew Locke absolutely sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but the one guy that John Dorsey does know a little bit about when he took the guy he talked he took, I'm not going to talk about that guy anymore, mm. but he did check out Sam Darnold. Mm. And if Sunshine mm. ends up in the New York, Giant, New York Jets, mm. then know. Sam Darnold's going to have to go somewhere. Yeah. So why not, uh, Mr. Dorsey, go, hey, you know, we'll give you this, that, and the other, and uh, you guys can have sunshine, and we'll take, uh, you know, agony and misery, and we're going to go off into the sunset. There you go. So Could happen. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's game number four, Washington plus three on the spread, and we get to game number five, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs playing at the Miami Dolphins, another situation where you talk about – uh, you know, a team that in this uh, time of the year used to playing in some colder weather mm-hmm. and they're going to go travel uh, to the southeastern portion of the United States and play in Miami. Um, spread right now is Kansas City minus seven. That's a lot. It's, a, a lot. it's not a little. Money line, Kansas City minus three. What am I? Uh, 333. Mm. Uh, Miami at plus 270 and the over-under at 49-and-a-half. You know, this could be a high-scoring game. i take the over on that one. Yeah, sure. I, I thought about it. But, uh, Kevin, I know you think you, uh, you might feel a little bit different about this, that, you know, this could be a s- sneaky good game. And I, and, and I think it could also be a sneaky good game. But I think Kansas City is going to win, um, and I think they might – end up winning by more than seven. I'm going to take them on the spread. The one thing that I'm going to throw out there, Park and, and Roar, is that, you know, when you look at the situation with Miami is they are sneaky good for one reason, is because Brian Flores was an assistant under Bill Belichick. <laughs> there you go. In New England. And you look at what Miami's been able to do with Tua, yeah. With the bearded wonder from the Ivy League yeah. or whoever else they put at quarterback. Uh, they trade away uh, Kenyon Drake. They yeah. do this. They do that. And everything that they seem to be doing somehow at 7 o'clock on a Sunday seems to have worked. Yeah, they're 8-4. and four. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, they're breathing down the neck I of know. your team. I and know. that's you crazy. Know, who would have thought that's the Miami crazy. Dolphins of all teams would have been where they were? Well, a year ago, yeah, you look at Tua, you know, he had that catastrophic injury to end the season, and they're like, oh, is he going to be a number one, number two, or is he going to fall, you know, way down the draft? And he didn't, and, you know, look where he is now. I was really kind of troubled when – I wasn't really troubled. I was kind of confused when they decided they're going to go ahead and put him in because, you know, typically you can see that a a team that's going to put in a rookie quarterback, they've, they've struggled, they've suffered a little bit. But Flores did that like right in the middle of a time when 
Yeah. It even troubled Fitzpatrick. Well, yeah, been Fitz wasn't doing bad no, at all. No. No, he wasn't doing bad at all. No, and, and hell, when you can go ahead and you can have that kind of carpet hanging out of your shirt. Yeah. And you can wear that kind of chain and you're not on the University of Miami hurricane. You know, something's going on. So yeah. something's been going on in that guy's head for a long time. I, get, I think there's just a lot of things we don't know. Uh, and he does. And he's a coach and he, he had the confidence to, to start him. Uh, I think it comes down to, yeah, the, you know, confidence and trust and, you know, had they seen enough in practice? And, I, and of course, he did. And I think that's why a lot of people are respecting Brian Flores now, you know, regardless of what decision he makes, just like you said. Park, we've been terrible hosts to you, inviting you into the house, and we've just been nothing but stepping all over it's everything. Not true. It's not yeah, true. it is. We have been. So we want you to go ahead and review what you've okay. got there again so that people out there in the listening audience might be that, a are, good idea. that are going to the bank every single week because of what you're doing, yep. they want to hear you know it from it. you instead of through us. All and, right. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll review it again. Uh, Ravens at Browns. I'm taking... The Baltimore Ravens on the money line at minus 118. That's a that's a sketchy one. Uh, Steelers at the Bills. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers on the spread at plus two and a half. Vikings at the Buccaneers. We got the Bucks on the spread. I'm taking them at minus six and a half. Washington football team at the San Francisco 49ers. I'm taking Washington at plus three on the spread. And then you got the Chiefs playing at the Miami Dolphins. I'm taking Kansas City minus seven on the spread. And I will go ahead and leave our listeners with, as I always do, a nice five-way parlay on the money line straight out right to win the game. I got Arizona, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Kansas City. Here's the other thing, guys. Can you believe where we are in the NFL season, what week we're in, where we are? You mentioned it when you first started the segment of, yeah. you know, we're moving into week what, 14, 15, whatever 14, it yeah. is. And it's like, where did it go? I, I mean, know. it was just not long ago that we were just starting this whole thing. And and, and it wasn't long ago that no. people were wondering whether or not they were even going to be able to play or get through five weeks or whatever. And here we are at week 14 with not too many of uh, – stoppages or we delays. definitely need to keep our fingers crossed because we're not out of the dark yet because That's it right. appears all over the country that everything is just kind of busting loose yes contrary to whether or not you uh have an orange face but <laughs> uh whoever that might be i don't, I don't know. know mr orangey but um you know the national football league proves once again that it is the premier of all of the sports done and a the great way job. it's done oh my gosh yeah. You know, except for yeah. the the Des Bryant thing the other day. But. Well, that let's talk about that. Okay. Rory, why don't you go ahead and fire away on that? Because it was troubling to all three of us when we were discussing it today. Yeah, yeah. It's I I just think um, especially when you consider a situation, you you test the player, you get a result back, but it's it's inconclusive. Um, I think you want to know if you know. Let's test again, and before he goes out and interacts with other players without a mask, hey, let's get a let's get a confirmation, yes or no. And you know, similar to the Justin Turner situation, um, and the final game of the World Series where you have another inconclusive test, you let the player go out and play, you know, and then come back out. It's you, you can't, you know, it's just like why would you do that? You know, you have all these protocols set up why where you know what's going on there you know and and it's really about safety you know for all these players because you don't know you know what's going to happen when when you get it um but yeah i mean what do you guys think about that no i completely agree i really do as i was just glad to see that uh they didn't let him run out on the field and swap jerseys and slap five with all the people after they lost the game but uh you know exactly like you said just like the justin turner situation it's it's so interesting when you're taking all of these precautions and something happens midweek where you know you're gonna you're gonna delay games by multiple days because of these certain things and just like uh, a couple weeks ago with the denver broncos mm-hmm. you know it wasn't even that the the two backup quarterbacks or i don't know if it was a starter and then a backup yeah, three who the didn't four of them. who didn't test positive but mm-hmm. they were just in close in contact, contact with the yeah. person so they kept them out due to contact tracing when you get a test result that's inconclusive how do you just let that guy go I, out yeah. there like it's like it's nothing it's uh, to me it's just absolutely ridiculous 
Yeah, I I don't get that, and I know that uh, those teams that are going to be facing those those other teams are also kind of confused. Is that with like you say, contract contact ta- uh, tracing? <laughs> Not easy for me to say, obviously. <laughs> but you know, with all that happening, I think that's something that you have to keep in the back of your mind if you're on the coaching staff too. That you know, heck, we could see this, that, or the other, or this guy not playing. Right, Rory, you got some yeah. thoughts? No, it's just you're looking at the end of the season here. The, the, you know, the season's winding up so and, close, and it really is going to be super important. And players and coaches are really going to have the team first mentality. They're going to have to. You cannot be the the Baltimore Ravens and have your quarterback out for the playoffs. I don't imagine that the NFL is going to be like, oh, you know, you know, uh, whoever Patrick Mahomes can't play because he's got COVID. Let's let's postpone the the NFL. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to go forward either way. That would be an interesting situation. But what the you know players are going to have to do if they're going to be in the playoffs on playoff teams, they're going to have to be so super superly conscious yeah. about this and because we, they can't. Aff- it's just an aff- a risk you can't afford. You know, and we talked we, it all. we yeah, talked about it a week or two ago as well, and it's just. You got 16 weeks, 17 weeks. Just do the right thing. Stay inside. Be as be as absolutely cautious as you can possibly be. You know, obviously there's going to be circumstances. You have to go to the grocery store to get groceries. Of and, and you may, you know, touch a freaking jug of milk that someone else touched and decided not to buy. And there you go. But, but there's precautions that you can take and you can be as cautious as you possibly can be. Uh to not get it and Mm -hmm. and there's there's obviously been situations where players haven't done that and uh yeah you know you just hope especially down down the home stretch of the season that that people really start to take that into consideration Uh, but yeah a guy you know i think is the face of franchise obviously had a bad week last week is russell wilson i think he's one of the guys that you look to he's not missed a game in his season and i think you know in he's, his he's, career, in his yeah, in his yeah, in the career. Right? My bad, yeah, yeah, in his career, he has yeah. he hasn't missed one game, and he's the type of guy, you know, unlike Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. who's gonna take, you know, everything into consideration and be as safe as possible because yeah. he knows. Guess what? If if you go up against a team and they don't have their starting quarterback in the playoffs, it's pretty much it's pretty much a win. I don't know who the teams are in the NFL that have a backup quarterback that can step in. I don't know who that would be, but I do, but I don't want to tell you. Let's hear it. Case Keenum. Okay. Mm. I don't yeah. Okay. But yeah, I just think you I, I seem to remember Case Keenum running up and down a field yeah. at one time celebrating the fact that he had just won a game. Yeah, well, that was a interesting play. Well, in it was Minnesota. interesting, but it happened. It did happen. It, yes, did. it did happen. It did happen. But the moral of the story here is Playoffs are coming up, and they're not going in a bubble, I don't think, unless you guys have heard anything. No, I don't think so. So it's going to be really important for these guys to, you know, that team-first mentality. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I will say about Russell Wilson is, you know, there's a lot of people that love him because of it and a lot of people that hate on him because of it because he's such a kind of cliche professionalism guy. But it's exactly what you're talking about. He, He takes every precaution he um does everything that he can spending a million dollars on his body in the off season to be the absolute best player that he can be right. for his team and that and that's you know the mentality that you have to have going into the playoffs especially this especially year and, this year. and, and covid well uh, and i think when you look at him you look at drew Brees, you look at some of these guys who maybe are undersized yeah the simple fact is that they've done the right things and keeping their body the way it should be but also it's the mentality of what the way they play mm-hmm. that they don't think of themselves as being shorter smaller uh, right you know and wow. you look at both of those guys they have great arm strength yeah you know they have great arm strength and and you know too bad drew Brees is uh kind of you know, having to watch, but uh, you look at what Taysom Hill's doing as well. It's, you know, there's so much talent in the NFL that uh, it really makes you feel, uh, well, I don't even know what the hell, how in the hell it feels. <laughs> when you got 53 guys out there and they're all playing and yeah. they're all doing what they need to do to make it mm-hmm. all work, Yeah. Uh, the coach in the front office, I think, never get enough respect, no matter what team you're with. And I sure. don't care if you're 0-16 or 
16 and 0. And you know, it also gives me a lot of uh, kudos to a guy like Tom Brady that, you know, here's a guy that's 43 years of age. There's not been very many successful quarterbacks uh, that play into their 40s, more or less a couple years into their 40s. Now, I'm old enough that I remember George Blanda coming in. Uh, he was a kicker for the Oakland Raiders, but also then played quarterback and starting quarterback for six weeks at 47 years of age. Mm-hmm. And I think he was – My gosh. Six and one, five and two, something like that as a quarterback. Wow. And, uh, you know, he sat for a long time, you know, as the kicker, but then finally got that opportunity. Stayed ready. And that's what the, you know, uh, it's just like when we were talking Ryan earlier, you know, Ryan Buchanan at Blazer's Edge. The mind is something that you need to control first before you control your opponent. You need to control yourself first, and that's Mm – that's what's enlightening about uh, all those uh, athletes that we talk about week in, week out. Well, gents, it's been uh, it's been another week. It has. And uh, you know what? It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. This has been a Podland Productions production. Recorded at Downstairs Studio in Portland, Oregon. For more information on Podland and for more Podland podcasts, go to podland.productions. While you're there, subscribe to the email newsletter for sneak peeks, giveaways, and more. Thanks for listening. Podland Productions.